Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Matt Kempf. Matt is a recent graduate in our Executive MBA Class of 2023, and he and I recently connected to talk more about his background, his decision to pursue an MBA, his passion for entrepreneurship, his latest venture, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Matt Kempf. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's great to have you here. How's everything going? How are you doing? Life is good. Life is good post-graduation uh, back in May. Work is busy. Uh, trying to figure out what to do with all the free time I have now with you know wife uh, and children of 9 and 11 running around all over the place on weekends. But yeah, life is good. Picked up any new hobbies, any cert- certificates you're working on? Think about another uh, master's program. No more masters. No, 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 no. Um, reading more books, less case studies, which is nice. Uh, reading books without a highlighter in hand, uh, which is always nice. Can I ask you what you've been reading lately? A book that you finished that you've enjoyed? Uh, I am reading Mike Vickers. Uh, I'll call it an autobiography of uh, all means available. Uh, he sits on the board of where I work. And so it's been a fascinating story of his life experience as a Green Beret, and then as he worked into policy in the intelligence community, uh, supporting former presidents, former policy in the Middle East. It's just been a fascinating read. And again, not a case study, so kind of broadening my uh, my reach uh, when I got some time to read. Nice. That's awesome. I just started going infinite uh, about Sam Bankman fried and FTX. I am uh, about 60-ish, 60-ish pages in. It's Michael Lewis. So it's always, always good reading. Very cool. All right. Well, tell us a bit more about you. Who are you and, and what's your background? <laughs> Thanks. Um, I am Matt Kemp. I recent graduate of Darden, May 23. Started um, two years prior in the executive program. Uh, live up in Maryland. I have lived in the area since 2005 when I left uh, my undergraduate uh, career at Auburn University. I took a job with the government where I worked with the National Security Agency for 13 years. Uh, if you had asked me in college if I would end up in the intelligence community, I would have laughed. Uh, but I'm so thankful for that opportunity and thankful for the experiences in the job that I had um, throughout my career. And uh, I've been a matchmaker. So I've uh, eventually left the government uh, supporting public and private partnerships and now work in an environment where I'm supporting uh, the national security community, the early stage investment community and the venture community through a job at InQtel. Uh, I've been here for five years love it. Uh, I've got a wife and two boys, Graham and Noah. Uh, they keep us very active in sports and academics, and it's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. Well, let's talk a little bit about your MBA journey. How did you decide Great. you wanted to pursue an MBA? Well, I met you. No, I think, so I'm older. Uh, I have been an entrepreneur, so despite government service and despite other things, I've had a lot of free time when I walk out of a building and I can't really take work home with me. So in 2005, when I moved up to DC, I started a company. Um, it would have been my second company that I started. I ended up selling it uh, in 2019. But as I approached life without another side hustle, uh, I realized that I had cracks in my foundation. And so I went out and looked at a bunch of MBA programs. And the week before COVID shutdown in 2020, I actually did an in-person visit. I sat in one of the operation courses thanks to you, met you and talked to you about the program, what it was all about. And I absolutely fell in love with the case method study and just sitting in the room and uh, the professor got me involved in the class, which was great. 
And I think I realized that that moment in time that what actually had led me to Darden was this completeness of, yes, I had been in business for so many years. And yes, I'd, I'd had experience working with, you know, as a government employee and then also being an entrepreneur and getting involved in the startup community in DC, that I really didn't have a, a whole complete picture, you know, an all encompassing view of the business world. And I felt that an MBA program uh, like Darden actually could kind of help fill in those gaps. So I took a gamble. I waited a year uh, and started in May of 2021. Um, but started my journey then. Gosh, it's wild to think that was probably our last class visit opportunity for about, about it, three years. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So question about your, your entrepreneurial journey. Um, were you always somebody who was entrepreneurially minded? Um, did you imagine that you would start your own venture? Uh, I kind of did. Um, back in high school, which would have been 96, 97, the internet was really picking up steam. And so I found a constant demand to help people build websites. And so I realized back then I could set up a little consulting group. Um, me and a, a couple of buddies would build websites on the side and it, it worked out. It, it paid additional bills and it gave me an experience to kind of do sales and whatnot. And I was always fascinated by my father. He was in the cable industry. He was a hustler. He had grit. Uh, he was an executive and I felt, you know, you know, I'd like to follow in his footsteps to kind of try out new things and always just be kind of tinkering on the side. Uh, in college, same approach. I started another website, uh, website design company with the fraternity brother. Uh, did that my junior, senior year. I interned at Nike, actually, uh, out in Beaverton my junior year um, and found that web design was a passion of mine, but there was more to than just building the code and writing code and developing the sites. But I started to realize there were additional uh, aspects of uh, the grind that I enjoyed. So the marketing aspect, you know, business operations, trying to figure out how to do promotion to, to attract new clients. Uh, and so I've always found just, you know, that side hustle to be a lot of fun. Uh, and even in DC, back in the day, way pre-COVID, the DC tech scene was really picking up steam in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And so I'd just go to a social meetups and gatherings to kind of meet with other like-minded entrepreneurs uh, and just constantly found myself being lean and and throwing ideas at a wall and see what would stick. And, you know, if there was something worth my time and, you know, not impacting to the job, then maybe the value proposition was there to give it a try. So, yeah, throughout my career um, and life journey, I've always kind of been tinkering on the side. And, and, you know, if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And so I've used that approach. I'm constantly learning and constantly being engaged and I've enjoyed it. To me, as a person in his early 40s, it's amazing to think back on those like early internet days, 96, 97, of like what the internet was then. I mean, yeah. uh, gosh, very old person comment. Used to go to the public library. We on the computer for like an hour. You know, that was yeah. it. You ask web crawlers and stuff. Like that is that AOL CD showed up at your doorstep. That's right. That's right. So so very different uh, than where yeah. we are now. <laughs> um, so so let's talk about. All right. So you come to Darden. Um, class visit obviously had an impact on you. Um, you somebody that's always enjoyed school or being in an academic setting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't ready for Darden. Um, I think that was one of the biggest surprises for me and adjustments that I had to take when I got there was just the amount of uh, academic rigor that you needed to bring. You had to bring your A game every weekend, um, whether you were going to be cold called, whether it's preparation with your learning team. Um, you had to be ready 
uh, to compete. I'm an athlete. I, I ran cross country and track in high school. I went to Auburn and walked on at Auburn uh, until I had an injury that took me out. But um, that mindset of always being prepared, uh, I would try to translate to the classroom as best I could. Um, horrible test taker. I know that for a fact. Uh, much appreciated the executive program approach to finals and being able to prepare and and then zone in when need to. But yeah, it was it was an eye-opening experience the first couple quarters thinking maybe I, I'm not meant for this environment. But thankfully, thankfully, the beauty of the program is you become very close with your cohort and very close with your learning team. Uh, and, you know, it was just a blessing in disguise to really just be surrounded by so many phenomenal folks who younger, older, different diversity, different mindset, different perspectives from where they come from. And you just learned a lot more. So it was more than just simply studying books and reading cases, for sure. Uh, it was just the, you know, again, a, a whole approach of just being able to prepare for the academic uh, challenge in front of you at Darn was, was in, uh, enlightening and eye-opening in the beginning, but definitely settled in and, and got uh, my feet underneath me to get to execute. Yeah, can, can we talk a little bit more about the emotional arc of those first few quarters? Because it's something that comes up on the podcast quite often. And yet, I think when we have new students start here, it's something that every executive MBA student goes through because day to day at work, you never have a day where you feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I, somebody's talking somebody's talking to me about something I have never heard about in my life. You know, that doesn't happen. And so all of a sudden you're in school, you're learning about all this stuff that many of the topics you may have had no prior exposure to. And so that feeling is, uh, it's uncomfortable for people. And so, um, you know, how did you work through that? Uh, I know it takes a few quarters. It definitely takes a few quarters. It definitely takes, you know, you need to open up, uh, for someone who I consider myself an extrovert, uh, I have done enough Briggs Myers uh, skills assessments to know where I fit in, this, in terms of the spectrum of uh, ENTP. Um, each conversation, each engagement, each class, it was it was a new challenge. It was a new journey. And so depending on the topic being discussed in the classroom setting, depending on the project that you're doing in one of your electives or just simply what you bring to that Friday afternoon uh, homeroom session of just, you know, checking in with all your teammates, um, you had to be an executive. You had to get in uncomfortable situations in the classroom setting and, and uh, you know, be open and honest. And um, I loved it. I mean, I, I'm, I, there's a smile on my face. I know if you, for folks who can't see me, like it was just a joy. Uh, to be in those positions, but also like exhausting. <laughs> so many times you'd walk out on Sunday afternoon after three days of of an OGR and on grounds residency, and you were just mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, not just from the classes, but from just the stimulation of the conversation of the class. The you'd sit in a room and go, all right, what the professor is is walking through and engaging the class. You know, you would relate it back to your work environment. You'd re relate it back to family scenarios. Um, and yeah, I mean, it definitely took a few months and every quarter you had to adjust, but it definitely took a few months to kind of settle in and really, you know, improve upon your efficiencies to just be better at time management, be better at preparation and, and just, you know, be an executive. Was there anything that was particularly surprising uh, about your Darden experience? Um, I was out of my element in a couple of the uh, stat heavy classes. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I hadn't taken a statistical class um, in a long time since uh, graduate school. And I have a master's in network security and I was not taking quant heavy classes then. Um, yeah, I was very uncomfortable for some of those classes. Again, huge shout out to Learning Team 15. Um, Pete uh, and Garrett held me very much accountable. Um, 
and and even others not on the learning team. Just the preparedness is, you know, you had to make the most of it and you learn how to prepare. And sometimes you prepared poorly and you got the answers wrong. But again, you know, you reflect back at the end of the weekend. And but there were definitely a few times where um my math skills were a little rusty. Uh, my Excel skills were not rusty, but I quickly learned that as much as I thought I knew statistical models and some of the plugins that I can use in Excel, I was not a pro and I, I learned from my peers around me to get better, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the great thing about an executive MBA class is that you have subject matter experts sitting amongst you. you people oh, yeah. you can go and ask, like and real they, credible. They live and breathe Excel models, Excel plugins. Um, uh, all kinds of fun tools that some of the things I had never touched on or or seen a, uh, a reason to use certain tools. Um, but yeah, I literally every weekend you walk away with like five or 10 new things to try in your work environment at home, et cetera. It was just, you know, you're constantly engaging uh, and finding new ways to just be better and more efficient what you're what you're trying to achieve. I want to talk a little bit more about the case method because I think one of the things sometimes prospective students wrestle with is a little bit of what we're talking about here, right? You're, you're in a class that's really hard for you. Let's yeah. imagine you take a decision analysis and you don't have as much background in some of the stuff and all of a sudden you got to go to class and you can get called on. And what are we worried about in the classroom environment? Worried about being wrong. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when you hear the faculty's take on that. Like, it's not about being right. Uh, so how would you uh, how would you explain, you know, like, what would you say to a student that verbalizes that concern, concern to you? Yeah, I wish I had had that question like three weeks before, like the first LR, because I did walk in. I'm, you know, definitely like self-conscious of observing of do I know everything? I don't know everything. Well, I don't this gentleman to my left and this, you know, individual to my right, like how much did they prepare? And you just have to free yourself of those preconceptions that you can't ask for help. Um, that you can't walk into a room and it is okay to not know everything. You, you, you shouldn't know everything. No one knows everything. Uh, and just have this growth mindset when you walk into a room willing to take a risk and to speak what you think is the answer. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. You'll adjust, you'll pivot, you'll get it right the next time. And I think there were very few times like the, the cold called method, uh, the just cold calling people in the case method is unnerving. But I think if you start to embrace that unnervousness and feel more comfortable with areas where you're not comfortable with an answer, um, you start to realize that you, you may have some of the facts right and, and you, you start to figure out where your gaps are and, and asking those hard questions before you walk into uh, to the set. And if you get cold called, you get cold called. And if you get it wrong or if you hear somebody else's get it wrong, you pick them up. You, 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 you join them in the conversation to help with the conversation to move it forward. Um, but yeah, there were a number of times where I was not comfortable with an answer, but my, thankfully again, peers and classmates around me kind of helped, you know, catch me up to what I needed to know. And, you know, walked away knowing a little bit more and, and learning something new. So when you look back, I mean, do you miss being in school? I know it's not been too long. Oh yeah. I graduated in May and I was just talking uh, to a few classmates the other day and actually a current classmate or a current class of 24 right now of like the amount of time spent in Darden and in the program was it was exhausting but in a good way like it, it's you miss it um i don't miss the prep work but I've, I've taken that mindset approach to you know my my business and what i do today especially with my current employer and what i've done outside of work uh at my little startup on the side um which i can talk about later um i don't i miss the camaraderie i miss really diving deep into topics with my classmates with different views and different perspective and and challenging their views and them challenging my views 
Um, and just, you know, kicking back and relaxing and socializing and like catching up with everybody. You, you don't get that day to day. I'm close with my coworkers, not to say I'm not, but that that engagement, that working for the betterment collectively as you know, an entire class, you, you know, you miss and you miss greatly. And so post-graduation, keeping up with everybody as best I can. I'm in the DC metro area. So I do hear from a lot of folks who are local. I try to catch up as best I can with my learning team on a monthly basis. We use the 15th because we're L15 as the day to kind of reach back and give an update. I owe my team an update from yesterday right now. But um, yeah, I, I missed it tremendously. The coursework, I'm okay. I'm good. Thank you. Um, but I do every now and then kind of poke around and see what the current program is. Some of the part-timers actually, work, one part-timer works with me at Inkytel where I work now. Uh, some of the full-time folks have, have swung by swung by in recent weeks to catch up. And I'm always asking, how's the class? What classes are you taking? What's the recent case studies you're doing? Are you go, going on the global residency? I do track everything on LinkedIn on all the trips that folks are taking. And it, it brings back a lot of really good memories. Um, but it's also, you know, on to the next, um, trying to find what's the next chapter in my life to work for the betterment, all these phenomenal skills and lessons learned from two years at Darden, you know, you want to put to good use. And so always looking ahead and figuring out what's the next uh, step in the journey is, is where my head is at right now. So no more classwork, but I'll keep moving forward. Yeah. Lots of good coverage on LinkedIn recently. We have multiple global residencies running at the same time, Argentina, Finland, Estonia. We had a part-time MBA group with a few executive MBA students out in Italy. I was Man. so jealous. So jealous. And I went to Finland and Estonia and that trip just, that was, uh, I would do that trip every year for the next five years if I could. Um, the 90 day Fin program was phenomenal. Um, the entire team that went was just great. Like the access you get to a number of the startups from the local ecosystem was incredible. Finland's beautiful. Estonia is absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, loved it. Loved every bit about that trip. Did you have a company that you visited that you really enjoyed or part of I the did. experience? Yeah. Um, Mer I'm going to butcher the name, Merimekka and the, the, the design company, clothing design company, and also Pipe Drive, which I didn't, I had never heard of. They compete in the uh, contact management uh, Salesforce environment, I think still, but they were, they were fascinating. And like, again, it wasn't just, you got a PowerPoint presentation, you walked away knowing what they do. You can read that on, you know, on PitchBook or on, on their website. It was like full immersion of here's our culture, here's how we approach it, try on some of the clothes, try out the, our tools, come sit in our, you know, swanky uh, executive spaces or residential spaces where the company meets for all, all hands. Like it was a full immersion and not just, you know, here, here's a demonstration and thanks for coming. It was, you know, you spent a couple hours with the companies and it was fascinating. Well, what do you think uh, the impact of your Darden experience? So has been. I know it's, it probably will evolve over the next next few years, but right now, a few months removed from graduation, what do you yeah. what do you think the impact was? Not a day goes by that I don't think back to a class or a professor or a case or a, an executive uh, or an Excel spreadsheet or a, a data model that we ran nine thousand times in in Dieter's classes um, that. In, you know, Darden, my experience at Darden impacts me every day professionally, uh, in my career, um, personally, through the relationships that I built, um, uh, you know, through Darden and even now post-Darden, catching up with everybody as often as I can. Um, but the impact has just been absolutely incredible. Everything that I focused on in the two years was for the betterment of my personal journey and my professional journey. Uh, and I think, 
for years to come, it will continue to kind of show, you know, what that true R, that return on the investment was because the bills are there. Um, my school was not paid for. So um, the student loans are starting to fall back in, but I don't regret a single moment of those experiences. And uh, I, again, I'm smiling because it was just such a joy. I'm thrilled I chose Darden. I did look at others. Um, and just that, that experience is, you know, is unmatched. Uh, and I've got friends who've gone to other programs and we've shared stories of homework and, and finals and, and just the class setting. And it's, it is unmatched. Um, it's such incredible to, to have that, you know, now on my resume and I get to talk to a number of folks when I see them professionally uh, and at the airport wearing Virginia gear and it's just been a lot of fun. So, um, the impact I think has been tremendous and I think it all, it will pay off even you know, in greater dividends as, as my career goes on and then the network continues to grow. Let's talk about your latest venture. Tell us a little bit more <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, so again, the grass beneath me is never there. It's never growing because I'm always moving. Um, in Q8, there's a phenomenon. I don't know if it's still in Q8, but um, uh, Professor Kim Whitler, um, marketing, brand strategy, uh, phenomenal person uh, loved her class took a week-long course in december and she touched on name image and likeness and so as a former college athlete limited but um i didn't live in a world where name image and likeness nil really was impacting the world of college athletes and so in the recent couple of years uh it's really kind of got my attention as a you know as an interesting topic outside of work and just constantly following the space um and then in q9 i think it was i took uh jim dieter um and Kevin Cullen with the, I'll say the Washington Wizards, but I think he's more monumental. I, I don't remember his, his employer. But I had this opportunity to really sit down with them and do this exercise in one of our cases where we had to determine the valuation of an NBA basketball player based upon his stats. And so I constantly would go back to Kim Whitler's class of what NIL means for today's athletes and what brand managing, what how to, to, to kind of do brand strategy and marketing strategy for you as the athlete. And then this, how could you determine someone's value based upon the stats on the field or on the court? And so through the program and through a Q10 course um, with Professor Vincat, uh, was which an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial thinking course, literally those three pieces, all executives, um, drove me to kind of create this idea called Velocity Rating. So VelocityRating.com was an idea. It is very much an early stage company just me right now, focused on revolutionizing the world of college athletics and brand partnerships by providing a comprehensive and accurate name, image, and likeness uh, assessment for college athletes. Um, with that, I had the opportunity throughout the summer to join, apply and join the iLab. Um, and the iLab program through uh, Jason Brewster enabled myself and other executives and other MBA students remotely and in person in Charlottesville to kind of leverage uh, this the startup mindset, you know, sitting down with us and really hashing out, you know, what is your idea? What's your concept? What's your go-to-market strategy? So my startup is designed around a tool as an athlete, if you're a professional athlete playing college sports, can figure out, you know, where you're at risk as an athlete. What would they a college look at to you, uh, your profile on social media? What would an NIL collective look at you in terms of where you compare to the other athletes in the community across the globe that you're competing against? And then really kind of think of it as like your, your credit score for NIL. Um, jury's still out on whether or not we'll have traction. I'll say that the NIL space is very much still 
the wild, wild west. Um, and so it's, again, it's a journey. I'm tinkering on the side. Uh, it's an, it's an afterthought, um, moonlighting adventure right now and it's going well, but you know, had a phenomenal opportunity to really talk to a number of college athletes, coaches, and I collectives to really figure out like, could you use a tool like this? And if you could, how would you use it? And Virginia, again, even post-graduation helped me tremendously through the ILAB program. And it's been a great, great journey. What a fascinating thing yeah. to work on. I mean, gosh, you watch college football on, on a Saturday. You got Caleb Williams from USC and Wendy's commercials. You got Jordan yeah. Sanders in Colorado, possibly, you know, uh, so it's in NIL deals, I think, well beyond what almost everybody is making. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it does feel like the wild, wild west. Uh, you know, I, I it's got to be difficult to quantify or to try to project this stuff just given how new it is, right? Yeah. And the fact that you see uh, public reporting that uh, universities are buying their entire football teams like Dodge Rams or trucks. Um, you'll see other companies, you know, uh, college athletes paying their other athletes uh, in gifts. Um, it is definitely the Wild West. Um, I'm not by any means the subject matter expert on it. But again, mm -hmm. I saw a potential value proposition around could you provide that risk assessment for the athletes and the uh, collectives to really glean insight into where you compare to others. Um, I think policy and the law will catch up to what's been going on, which is why I'm taking it very slow with the uh, with the with the um, the launch. But you know, again, it's it's fascinating. It's a fun. Uh, I don't want to call it a game, but it's a fun you know, chess match taking place between the universities, the college athletes, and even the Wendy's of the world, the big sports marketers of the world. But there's also, you know, 100,000 plus athletes that are desperately trying to get their books paid for, desperately trying to get their rent paid for, DMing brands on Instagram, TikTok, social media platforms to say, hey, look at me, I can be a great brand ambassador for your, you know, environment. And there's just a lot of platforms that are attacking this space and they're doing great. And then there's others who are trying to look at the, the risk aspect of it. So it's been it's been a fun journey to explore that space. Uh, yeah, su super interesting. I imagine everybody asks you questions. Once you tell them that this is what I'm working on, people must have a million questions for you. Yeah, and they usually share like, I read this in the press, which, yeah, and you, you read and you do a double take because uh, most in that space, it's not really a pay to play. That's not permitted. Um, but then you read what's going on. So uh, again, I think policy... And everything else will catch up to the market. I think the the athletes and everybody need to figure out where they're going um, with their strategy to attract the best and brightest, not only focus on academics, but also what makes sense for the betterment of the program and provide their athletes an opportunity to offset the cost for going to school. Because not every athlete gets a scholarship, but maybe NIL can fill that gap. Uh, maybe it can provide uh, a reason to, to pick a school versus another school. But again, fascinating space, um, you know, if you have some time, read about it. It's incredible. Well, you mentioned taking advantage of some of Darden's resources as you continue to develop this this concept. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what that looked like or how Darden was helpful to you in advancing your idea? That's a great question. Uh, I think over time, so my first year, you really didn't know what else was out there in terms of like electives. And then after your first year at Darden comes to an end and they start to kind of ask you to submit your areas of focus of what you want to uh, bet on in terms of electives and, and kind of apply for the classes, you start to realize that uh, Darden's very much focused on, uh, nowadays, I think venture capital's gotten a lot more interest, uh, interesting electives, 
Um, the entrepreneur programs with Vincat again is incredible. Uh, there have been other professors in the past who have taken a similar approach. And I think just the framework is there to really challenge you on your idea and the tools and techniques and tools and, and uh, techniques from some of the professors to kind of challenge you in the classroom and outside the classroom are also there. So I had a lot of calls uh, with professors outside of the classroom more so than in the classroom uh, about my specific problems. And then I would walk into the classrooms normally um, through the engagement with my classmates to really get to like the traditional like frameworks that I could use again towards velocity rating, towards other stuff at work. Um, iLab is a great example through um, uh, the the University of Virginia initiative that supports entrepreneurs, like just simply having Jason Brewster and that program and other peers who are part of the iLab program to call and, you know, discuss ideas with marketing strategy, brand strategy, you know, how to define your audience uh, from a communication perspective of here's my value proposition. What do you think? And have somebody sit across from you and basically challenge you on, have you thought about that every possible way? Um, was, you know, was a great experience and, and great resource to have. And, and still to this day, I can call any one of my peers from the iLab program. I can call Jason, I can email the team. Uh, and again, classmates galore, we're constantly on LinkedIn, trying to challenge one another with new ideas and new initiatives post-graduation. Uh, a number of my classmates have launched their own entrepreneur adventures and I love tracking them and kind of figuring out how I can help support them and, and encourage them in any way I can. But yeah, the, the program and the electives, I think, uh, right around quarter eight, nine, and 10 really allowed you, if you were interested, allowed you an opportunity to really take an idea and, and bake it in the oven, so to speak, and be surrounded by just in, you know, expanding minds and, and thoughtful leaders and entrepreneurs who have done this before at the professional and prof professor level, but also just your current and alumni. You always had access to alumni. Uh, and you always had the program kind of suggesting, um, uh, you know, hey, have you talked to company X or alumni Y? Um, because, you know, they would be a great person. Like that, that's just, it's, that's still even post-graduation is constantly coming up with, you know, a lot of my peers in the national security space and, space and also in the venture capital community, just, just always a door to knock on and always someone being, you know, very warming and welcoming to encourage you to kind of, you know, go talk to X, Y, and Z individuals or X company, they're, they're darting heavy, et cetera. It's been, it's been great. So some of our listeners may listen to what you're describing. NIL, obviously very new, um, yeah. also fast moving, constant, possibly changing as we speak, or will continue to change. Um, mm -hmm. How do you even begin to wrap your head around something like this? Okay, I want to do the score thing. I've got this idea. Like, where do you, how do you figure out how to get started with something like that? Yes. Again, it goes back to those frameworks and really taking a, you know, a, a lot of people will use the phrase product market fit, mission market fit. What's that value proposition you think your product can offer that others on the market can't provide today? Or what's the, your uniqueness that your product will bring to the market that provides some value for an individual or consumer that they can't get anywhere elsewhere? Um, it starts with a lot of talk. You talk to a lot of people. You have to do a lot of interviews. So, it starts with patience and really taking that hypothesis and figuring out your assumption is X. People would pay for a service to provide the most comprehensive and accurate uh, name, image, and likeness assessment. Can you build the tool to solve that? Does your vision of that tool look like something that the market has today 
And again, is this just a value add or is this a plus one to a current service? And um, I think any anything you do entrepreneurial wise, if you have an idea, you're going to hear you know nine no's and one maybe uh, that you should do this. But if you're passionate about it, if you love what you think this idea could potentially provide, not from a financial point of view, but just simply does it bring you joy in solving a, a problem? It's you know, are you going to have the patience to solve that puzzle? and have the openness to realize that your initial hypothesis may be wrong and you may need to pivot. And so again, through all the programs with VinCat was great. We're literally having that entrepreneurial mindset and that growth mindset to challenge your assumptions and then constantly be coming back to, you know, are you on the right path? Have you seen others approach this? Have you talked to others about, you know, being a little risk averse where in the past, maybe you've been, you know, very much risk, you know, conscious of every little step you do, you got to take risk if you're going to, you know, try to launch something. So I think every company that I've launched is because I've had a passion either in web development in, I didn't even talk about FitFeud, um, another fit, uh, startup company that I launched with a couple of DC entrepreneurs in 2008 and 2009, uh, focused on corporate fitness, where we thought, if you're familiar with The Biggest Loser, remember that show, we thought we could take that mindset to the corporate community to say, all right, let's build a platform where employees compete against one another to have benefits of weight loss or steps taken or nutritional awareness. Very early for its time, most of the concepts that we thought through ended up becoming normal um, in corporate wellness programs and class pass became very popular in corporate fitness settings, but that didn't exist back in the day. The, the Apple Watch didn't exist. The Fitbit had just hit the market. So if you got to take risks. And if you're comfortable with that, uh, again, the Darden program emphasized that. Um, I was familiar with a lot of the concepts, but again, Darden kind of reemphasized and and hammered home a number of those uh, areas that ensure that if, again, if that's your approach, you know, here are the tools you need to be successful and and be able to act quickly. Well, Matt, I wonder what you're looking forward to in, in the coming months. Uh, in the coming months, again, I think, um, you know, what's the next journey? My current role, I, I love working at InQtel. I've had a, a fascinating career here of five years focused on really playing matchmaker for our national security partners in the early stage venture space. Um, I'm also focused on my kids and as they grow into their early, they're not teens yet, but, you know, trying to figure out like in this day and age, there's travel this, sport Y, opportunity X, and there's a lot uh, at our you know, in front of our kids. And so just finding that work-life balance post-graduation is is key and critical. And first, mine, family first is definitely a mindset that I have now post-graduation. But I'm also looking to, again, spent two years at a Darden program with phenomenal uh, class, you know, group of classmates from all across the country who are looking to change the world and change the work-life environment. I'm looking to do the same with my current employer, looking to support other alumni like Auburn University um, and their entrepreneurship program and just trying to continue to find ways to work for the betterment of, you know, a number of areas where I'm passionate. So having, having fun, but also, you know, curious. Yeah, well, Matt, so it's been so much fun having you here. Um, I should note for our listeners, if you think Matt sounds great, why does he sound so great? Well, <laughs> he's calling in from a podcast studio, which I can tell you not every guest comes with their own studio, which is amazing, uh, by the way. Um, but Matt, I want to send you out with this uh, last last question here. We ask all of our guests one last question, and it is, uh, what's a piece of advice you would have for our prospective student listeners? If you're thinking of going to Darden, I would encourage you 
100% to find time to visit the campus in um, in Roslyn and go to uh, a, a class uh, on your own. You, I had the chance working with Brett um, in February of 2020 to take the time to come down to Roslyn. Thankfully, my uh, Inkytail was at the time in Arlington, Roslyn area, so it was very close for me. Um, but I had a chance to sit in the classroom and I hadn't read I don't know how hundreds of blogs, hundreds of articles on this school and that school and the case method approach and and in person, you know, classroom settings and the bullpit and whatnot. Just you need to go and experience yourself. And I think that right there will just completely open your eyes to the energy in the room, the engagement. You're not just listening to a professor right on a white chalkboard or on a PowerPoint presentation to walk you through. I've done the virtual, 100% virtual um, master's programs. Again, very thankful for those programs for you know the specifics that I went through. But Darden is just a different world. It's a different experience. So I would encourage you to reach out to alumni. By all means, you can reach out to me if you have questions. Um, you can talk to Brett and the staff to find a way to visit uh, campus. But you know, follow the, the LinkedIn post that we have and the content that the school pushes out is incredible. I, I get very jealous and have tremendous FOMO on a number of the trips like you were talking about. Um, but yeah, if you're thinking about it, um, you know, don't just read the materials, find time to make a trip to the campus, get down to Charlottesville if you can. Um, the campus is gorgeous. And, you know, just invest in, you know, ensuring that you find the right fit for you professionally, whether you have a family with kids or you're straight out of undergrad, you know, I think that that opportunity to see it in life, in real person, you know, right in front of everybody and sit in the classroom is just second to none. And you'll fall in love like I did. And then you'll end up calling Brett a week later and saying you want to do this and then hopefully another pandemic doesn't hit and you'll be good to go but yeah see it in person it's it's incredible well man i, I love that advice because it resonates so much with what we share with prospective students uh, when you look at schools on their websites every school kind of looks and sounds the same i mean every school talks about credible faculty incredible learning experience we have a strong community here uh cultures that amazing but the reality is, I mean, all the expression of these things looks very different from school to school. And it's all about finding a place where you feel like you're going to be able to really thrive. And at some point, you got to get past the website, you got to get past the blogs, yep. you got to see it in person. And I'm so happy that we can offer class visits again. We've been doing virtual class visits. We've had some in-person stuff. But now this fall, we're really back. We just had uh, class visits a, a couple weekends ago. We've got class visits coming up uh, on Saturday, November 4th, again, awesome. Saturday, December 2nd. And the, the other reason to come for a class visit, I mean, in essentially two and a half hours, you can get a lot of information uh, about our executive MBA program. You can come sit on, on a, a class. It's about a 70, 75, 85 minute commitment and then have lunch with the current students and, and really pick their brains about their experience and why they're here and what advice they would have and just ask all your questions. You can do all of that in two and a half hours. I think it's a good use of your time. Yeah, very uh, much. So, so I'll, I'll plug that again. Thank you for, um, yeah, thank the, you for the, pushing it. The direct feedback you get from the current classmates was, was critical for me of just really having an honest, how's it going? What do you do professionally? What do you, why are you here? Was, was second to none and, and you know, highly encouraged for you to do it. Well, Matt, thank you again for coming on the podcast to, to share your story. Best of luck with your with your latest venture. I, I will say I'll think about you now every time I see one of those commercials or somebody mentions NIL <laughs> to me. I'll say, you know, I know a guy who's working on something. We'll see how the adventure continues. And again, we'll also see how the space. But Brett, it's been great chatting with you. It was great to catch up. 
Um, thank you again for the opportunity to share my my experience at Darden. And again, anybody who's watching, if they want to reach out, you can find Brett. Happy to share those stories offline as well. And that was my interview with Matt Kemp, a recent graduate from our Executive MBA class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.